calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome. You've returned for another episode of Shadows at the Door, the podcast. As always, I'm Mark Nixon, here with David Alt to bring you productions of ghost stories, both old and new alike. For episode six, I've prepared a story for you myself. As you'll find out later in the discussion, this story is very close to home, to say the least. Join me as I take you to the northeast of England for a tale that I've aptly named Pit Village. And yes, David and I will be discussing the themes and ideas of this story, as well as providing a number of recommendations for your further viewing, reading, and listening pleasure. But now, let's join our protagonist Jonathan as we find out about his new home in the Pit Village. So, gather around the fire. Pour yourself some tea, and we'll begin. Coal mines in England haven't been around since the 1980s. Infamously, there was some disagreement about their continued existence, but the pit villages remain. A pit village, for those of you not in the know, is a settlement built around these old coal mines some few hundred years ago. The miners and their families would settle in, then over the years their children would take over the house, and then their children, and so on and so forth. So yeah, these are old places. 
I'm sure you've seen plenty of them if you've ever spent any time in England. They're comprised mainly of terraced brick buildings huddled together, distributed with maximum usage of space, and the nightlife nearly always revolves around the local workman's club, the kind of place where flat caps are mandatory. Everyone knows everyone in a pit village. They all speak the same, and that's the way they like it. Now, I am not from a pit village, but I did find myself living in one. It was nearly two years ago now. I, I was a relatively newly qualified social worker, but by attending a local university and squandering my social life, I had been able to secure the deposit for my own home shortly into my career. City centres, of course, had been far outside my budget, but I found the further afield I looked, the cheaper the houses were. Eventually, I discovered a suitable house within one of these pit villages somewhere north of County Durham. Typically, my new house was a terraced, two-bedroom, decent driveway and only 56k. It was riddled with damp, but as I toured it, the kitchen slowly bathed in the pink glow of the setting sun and I fell irretrievably in love. Within the fortnight I'd moved in, and as I stood in my new living room, I took a deep, satisfied breath and smiled. Of course, after such a deep sniff, the windows were opened and stayed open for the next month, no matter the weather. That day was kind of when the problems began in earnest, and that's not to say the house was falling apart, far from it. Instead, from the first moment I stepped outside... There were eyes all over me. Whether it was popping to the local corner shop or going out for a jog, I would draw the attention of all those around me, some more obvious than others. Conversations would end as I passed, so much so that I had no hint as to what the local gossip could be. At first, I accepted this as part of the community's adjustment, after all, I had single-handedly brought the average age down approximately ten years, but even after a week I still felt like an animal in a zoo. Salvation came early one Saturday. I opened my front door, and of course someone walking by immediately snapped their head in my direction. And after spotting a gaggle of old ladies gathered outside the pharmacy, I decided to change up the route of my jog and promptly headed in the opposite direction. I found if I stuck to the outskirts of the village, I could jog near the farmland. Suddenly, watchful eyes didn't feel so intrusive, once they belonged to sheep. The peace didn't last too long. The village was fairly small and any experienced jogger could cover it quickly. But on this day, I wasn't quite ready to return to civilization, so I took a path that I thought led to some woodland, only to discover I was at the back of a huge, walled garden. I eventually traversed the garden and found myself at the front of the home itself, a huge, stone-walled building not unlike a church. Here it was, all by itself. Wow. How old was this house? A hundred years? Two hundred years? When the village has crumbled into dust, I imagine the place will still be standing. Morning. Oh, hey, oh Christ, sorry, I must look like a right peeping Tom. Don't worry about it, mate. At least you're not hiding it. 
I've been cleaning the car for like, what, 10 minutes? And I've had two passers-by stare and one suspiciously slow drive-by. I mean, I know I've got a wet t-shirt going on. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I, I feel like an attraction half the time. But, uh, yeah, nice to meet you. Uh, well, to meet another outsider, that is. Uh, not, not that you don't seem lovely. I mean... Nice to meet you. I'm Jonathan. <laughs> nice to meet you too, Jonathan. I'm Michael. So, are you new too? Yeah, pretty much. Been here a couple of weeks now. You? Ah, a few months. I'm afraid to tell you, it doesn't get better. Oh, wonderful. So, your place is lovely. It's like a bloody manor. How could... How could I afford it? Oh, God, I mean, I, I didn't mean... Relax. It would be on my mind, too. I am but a humble man of humble means, after all. Oh, yeah. So humble. <laughs> Truth is, my dad's inheritance helped, but this place was nowhere near what it was worth, even if the floors are a mess. I'm sorry about your dad. You've got a bit of a thing for apologising, haven't you? Well, I would apologise about that. There's hope for you yet, Jonathan. So, which street are you on? Uh, it's about ten minutes away. Well, twenty if you walk. I'm on Crichton Avenue. I don't know why I asked. These streets all look the same to me. Yeah, me too, to be honest. So oh, generic. For fuck's sake. Everything okay? We have a visitor. Where? He's hardly subtle, is he? Yeah, getting a right good look. Morning. Fine day for it. Yeah, keep on moving, mate. I can't believe he just blanked you like that. Ah, they all bloody do. I find if you engage them, they sometimes get embarrassed and bugger off. Kill them with kindness, as my mum always says. Might have to try that one. Worth a try. Hey, how do you fancy popping in for a cup of tea? So nice to meet another normal. Um, well, I'd love that. But I'd, I'd better not. I'm, I'm all sweaty. <laughs> and how does that make a difference? Uh, are you busy tonight? Uh, not really. Well, if you're at a loss, I'd love to have you over. You're not going to take no for an answer, are you? No. Hmm. <laughs> I suppose we're not. And that's how I met Michael Walton. You know, sometimes when existential dread sets in and I find myself thinking of life and love, well, that's the thing, isn't it? When we think about life, we also end up thinking about love because the two are so irrevocably linked. And look, I, I didn't love Michael. I just met him. I, I can't have loved him that quickly. It doesn't work like that. I, what I'm trying to say is when I think about life and love, I think of Michael. There was a man so full of life, and as soon as I met him, I knew I wanted to see him again. I think I saw a future with him in it. 
So, I'd gone home, showered, spent a little too much time deciding what to wear, opting for trousers that were too tight but flattering as hell, and made myself busy until it was technically the evening and slowly ambled towards his house. And breathe. Jonathan, let's... Hey, you've changed. Oh, yeah, the jog. No, no, don't apologise. You look nice. Thanks. You too. Yeah, I always look nice, though. Look, let's go to the local. I've been itching for an excuse to stir up a commotion. A commotion? Yeah. Because now we have not one, but two homosexuals in the pit village. <coughs> You're assuming a lot. Tell me I'm wrong. No. Yeah, I'm usually right about these things. Come on, then, it's not far from here. We'll go and sample their terrible ales, eat their terrible crisps, and see if their pool table actually has cues. Fine, but only if they have prawn cocktail. Fair enough. So, tell me a little about yourself. Ooh, okay, well, um, I'm a social worker. A social worker? That's brilliant. What kind? Child protection. Oh, wow. Here we are, it seems, the workman's club. So depressing. Never mind that, we can make our own fun. Right then, you ready? Just open the door and please don't kick up too much of a fuss. After you. Thank you. Where are all the women? Yeah, it weird. Evening all. You're incorrigible. Yeah, all great men are. I'm not quite sure that's true. Barky, uh, two pints of um, draft, please. Is it really just labelled draft? That's a bit weird, isn't it? Hello? What's the matter? Have you not had a couple of puffs in here before? Michael, you've had your fun. Can we leave now? Joking aside, I'd like to be served, please. Fine. One drink, and you're done. Understand? Is that how it is? That's how it is. Don't be like that, Tony. Let them graze. Graze? Shut your mouth, Phillips. You've been warned before. Do you want your drinks or not? Nah, don't bother. I'd rather speak to trading standards about this. Yeah, good luck with that. Is this enough commotion for you now? We're practically surrounded. Oh, how delightfully threatening. Is there a problem here? Come on, Michael, I've got a good bottle of wine at home. Yeah, looks like we're not welcome, mate. You okay? Complete twats. 
I mean, I knew they were a little backward here, but that was ridiculous. Come on, it's a nice Pinot I've got. Nah, let's head back to mine. I'll give you the grand tour if you like. You know, you have a way of saying things that makes me feel like I don't have much of a choice. I'm all about consent, my friend. It's really up to you. No, really, it's fine. I'm just surprised how fast you've recruited me. <laughs> recruited? Well, we all recruit to some extent. Hell, babies recruit in their own way. The word just has strong connotations of, well, organizations, armies, cults. <laughs> My God. Well, you've got this pull about you. Here I am heading back to your place the day I meet you. I think you're counting your chickens, mate. That's not what I meant. All I'm saying is... Oh, never mind. I think there was a compliment in all that. There was. And thank you. It's a nice night, at least. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And despite the near miss in the club, I'm actually having a nice time. Yeah. Me too. Here we are. Here, I'll show you something before we go in. You need to cut your grass. Rude. Down here, there's a symbol on the side of the house. You see? Oh, uh, that looks a bit like the Templar Cross. Yeah, it's similar, but not the same. There's a few of these around the building, including on the floor. I've been looking online, but I can't find any answers. Hmm. Did the place used to be a vicarage? Yeah, apparently so. Then it's probably something to do with the church. Yeah, but I looked in the church and it wasn't repeated there. When I asked about it, guess what happened? Sinister staring? Yeah, not this time. I was ushered out. Hastily. Huh. By which I mean angrily. Yeah, careful of the floors, they're a mess. Oh, yeah, you're right. These cracks are huge. I would have tripped if you hadn't said. What, what's happened here, then? When I bought the place, they said it was the result of the house generally shifting over a couple of hundred years. I don't buy it. Oh? Yeah, I mean, look here. The stone seems to rise up on both sides like something's coming from underneath. Shifting, well, one would probably overlap the other. I can't even get anyone to come and look at them, so I'm just going to get some thick rugs to throw over them. Well, I'd say it was worth it. This place is huge. You could do with a deer's head above the fireplace, even. Ha! <laughs> How long have you been here again? Uh, two, maybe three months? Uh, do you want a drink? I know you said you like Pinot, but all I have to offer is supermarket own brand Merlot, I'm afraid. Yeah, Merlot will be just fine, thank you. And have a seat. You're making me anxious just standing there. <laughs> Sorry. Stop it. What? You're apologizing again. Oh, right, so... Yeah. Honestly. Right, I'll get the drinks. Wait, what's that? What's what? Can't you hear it? No. 
there. Oh, this fucking guy. This guy walks past the house on the way from the club every other night. He's got the loudest goddamn whistle I've ever heard, and lately he started stopping outside to regale me with his annoying tones. That's weird. There's a guy who stumbles down my street after last orders who insists on shouting good night to most of the houses. Ah, but he's not as creepy as this guy. I know. I mean, I don't know how you can make a whistle malicious, but it's somehow he fucking manages. Oh! Fuck off. One day I'm going to snap and go out there. Yeah, let's ignore him. I think he might just be after a reaction. Ignoring him is going to frustrate him more than anything else you can do. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I'm usually right about these things. Yeah, I see what you did there. He seems to have stopped now anyway. I'll have a sly peek. So, the wine... Ah. What now? Your musical friend. He has company. What? See? A few have joined him. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, there, they, they can't see us now. They'll get bored and leave. And if they cause trouble, then we'll call the police. I don't know. I think you could argue they're already being deliberately intimidating. We can't realistically sit here all night and pretend they're not there. I mean, listen to them. Come to us. What was that? Jesus. There's a there's a whole crowd of them now. Crowd? It's a fucking mob. And this guy at the front, what's he all dressed up for? Priest's robes? I'm not sure, but look at the symbol on the front. It matches the one on the house. I don't like this. I don't like this one bit. What the actual fuck? We need to leave. Is, is there a back door? It's been jammed since I got the place. Come to us. Of course it has. What do you think? Take a chance with the front door. Come to us. Oh, Wait. Man, do you feel that? Speed. The ground? And let us be They're right outside the door now. We have to get out. Fuck. seen the flesh of the Magnificent One and lived. You have been blessed like we have all been blessed before. What? He's fed upon the sacrifice and spared you. Rejoice, 
For now you are one of us. Now you are blessed of his glorious love. You killed him? What the hell is wrong with you people? Rejoice. 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 Oh God, no, 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 no. Would you be surprised if I told you the streets were lined as I ran home? How every man and woman stood outside their homes and watched me as I passed? How they actually smiled at me? The ex-miners, the postman, the pharmacist, even the police officers all stood and welcomed me with their disgusting gazes. I had no choice but to get out, to hastily pack and leave that night. I'm still trying to get someone to believe me, anyone. Until then, I've been searching for a new place, and just this morning I saw an ad online for the old vicarage. It was on sale for an unreasonably low price. podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. 
As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. And that was Pit Village, written by me, Mark Nixon. I'm joined, as always, by David Alt. David, how are you doing after being eaten alive? Uh, it's a fairly normal Friday for me, really. So, um, yeah, I'm all good. <laughs> um, you know, the old gods are very much here in Yorkshire. So, uh, how are you doing? I'm fine. I mean, killing you took a lot of editing. Mm. Which is, it's kind of nice, actually, because, like, if you're feeling resentful that you're editing so much, then at least you're thinking, well, at least I'm killing David. <laughs> no subtle digs there at all, Mark. I see. <laughs> I mean, I, I do enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy it. But, you know, it's still. I'm well, a, you enjoy killing me. I do. I mean, I write horror, David. Uh, that, that, that's true. That's true. And you're such a nice guy. It's like, it's annoying that you're so nice. If, if only Erica Sanderson was here, she, she uh, has killed, maimed, tortured me many a time. <laughs> many, many a time. I just listened to a No Sleep episode where she played quite a nasty character. Oh, yes. Yeah, she does that so well. Yeah. But she's such a lovely person as well. That's probably a really good segue into the discussion for Pit Village, really. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> New record, guys. It's been two minutes, and or less than two minutes, and we've already gone off topic. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Pit Village uh, is... A story about the old gods, the ancients, and I, I suppose a bit of diversity in there as well. But tell me, Mark, as as the writer, uh, we can uh, ask this question once again. What was your motivation for writing Pit Village? Well, I really wanted to kill David Ott, so I... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair enough. I, I, you know, it's been done. Although I think this is probably a new way, actually. I don't think I've been devoured by an old god before in a mining village in County Durham. And if anyone would like to point me in the direction of a place where I have been eaten by an old god before, then please leave it in the comments in the usual place. You know, in 20 years, there's going to be the David Alt walking tours. (laughs) (laughs) He is the church spire that collapsed and uh, pierced David Alt's head in episode 304. If there is a season two of Shadows at the Door, the podcast, then uh, absolutely we could we could base we could do a live show. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> like inside number nine, but nowhere near as intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a way, we, that, when when we did the Newcastle Castle thing together, that was a, a slightly Shadows at the Door live show, only without the discussion at the end. Yeah. So, um, for those of you who who don't know, uh, there was recently a Ghost Stories for Christmas event at Newcastle Castle because lovely people who work there, and, and we actually had the Shadows at the Door anthology book launch there uh, a few years ago. So the the, the first night was myself. I read a, a new story for. Uh, I'm pleased to say a sold out audience. And then the second event was uh, was David Alt performing some stories that uh, I believe had previously appeared on the No Sleep podcast. Yeah, two of them had been on No Sleep, and two of them were were classics, classic short stories. 
That was it, yes. And um, I read a classic too. And then on the... Uh, David's, of course, was somehow also sold out, yet more busier than mine. <laughs> so I don't know what happened there. Not resentful. Not at all, Mark. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third night, again, sold out. That was that was a local author uh, from Newcastle by the name of Icy Sedgwick, who is uh, really lovely to work with. And, and she actually gave us her specialties folklore. She gave us a presentation on local folklore and read some of her stories. And then at the last minute, I was asked to also read one of mine. Thankfully, there was a copy of Shadows at the Door, an anthology <laughs> nearby. So haven't quite memorized my almost 6,000 word story from that book. So, <laughs> so yes, that's, yes. Uh, that's um, a piece of advice for all listeners. Always have a copy of Shadows at the Door, an anthology to hand, just in case you need an emergency story. And... It's actually a very heavy book, so it can also be used in the event of self-defense. Or, or if you need to kill David Alt. Yeah. David, at this point, I need to, like, just get quite close to the mic and say, please do not kill David Alt. <laughs> <laughs> I've had worse. Oh, well, evidently not, because you're still here. But I'm, what I'm going to do now, David, is that I'm just going to answer the question that you asked me about three yes, minutes ago. Yes, that would be good. Thank you. <laughs> Which is, where did the story come from? Pit Village is, this is actually a story I've had in, I've had in me? I've had <laughs> brewing for, um... <laughs> Pit Village is a story that I've had brewing for quite a while. Uh, I do live in a Pit Village in County Durham that I won't name, but the laziest amount of research, you can probably find it out. It does have a fantastic name, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah, it does. I just... <laughs> Uh, I just I shouldn't say it. Um, actually, I don't know if anyone else in Coxo has the internet, so I might be safe. <laughs> and I've said it out loud, and I can't edit it out because it's in the middle of a lot. Right? Okay. So, <laughs> right, I moved into Coxo. Um, it was 2010, and at the time, well, I moved in. I was I was a young man, and there were not many other young people in Coxo, and. Every single time I left the house, like in the story, people would just stop their conversations and stare. And and the thing about pit village life, at least in Durham, is that everyone seems to stop on the street and congregate, so that the streets are always full of just people, and, and they'll just stare at you. And, and in fact, some of them have never stopped. It's, you know, I, I'm 30 now, and like there's a woman a few doors down who, if she ever sees me coming out of the house, will come to her door and just stare at me. <laughs> and I have to go, hello. <laughs> She definitely doesn't listen to horror podcasts, so this is okay. I'm safe. <laughs> but yeah, and and I found that so strange. And I used to make the the, the lazy joke of saying, "Oh, people would say how are you settling in to Coxo?" And I would say, "Well, the Wicker Man Festival isn't until August, so I've got a few more months until they burn me." <laughs> yeah, and then like uh, the characters in our story, I would often have to engage them to get them to stop stirring because, frankly, it was making me uncomfortable. Mm. And I would have to say, you know, hello and. Uh, I remember one day I was getting the carpets fitted in the house and, and I had no blinds fitted and people just stopped and looked into the house and I would just wait and I was just stood in my living room just waving. <laughs> <laughs> so this lazy joke of mine ha eventually became uh, this story. And and it, it does sound very League of Gentlemen-esque, really. Mm. The, the way you just described it. Um, the League of Gentlemen, by the way, for listeners, is 20 years old this year, which makes me feel incredibly old. Shut up. Yep. No, shut up. Yep. Oh, God. 1999 it came out. <laughs> <laughs> 
And is that the radio version or the TV version? Uh, the TV version came out in 99. So the radio version is even older. Oh, my God. Wow. Yep. Uh, but yes, the League of Gentlemen is, it's, I think it's very close to both of our hearts, isn't it? Oh, David? very much so. Yep. Yeah, and um, it's so bizarre and dark and... Wonderful. It's... Wonderful. Oh, oh, yeah. And I guess it has influenced, but I've enjoyed everything that the guys involved have ever... Yep. Mostly have gone on to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two of the members, two because there's four of them, one of them didn't perform. Two of them have gone on to write Inside Number Nine, which oh, is one of the most... It's brilliant. Just, just listen to that noise that came out of David. It's such a good <laughs> show. It's... <laughs> There was one episode in particular, um, I forget what it was called, I think it was called, it was about a cryptic word search. It was so... not word search. Crossword. Good lord. A cryptic crossword. Mm. I'm sorry, Guardian readers. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, how does a cryptic word search work? No, 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 it's just against a... the letters are black on a black background, you've got to shine a light on it. <laughs> but it was such... I mean, every episode is so smart, and yes. I get angry, because I watch it, and after I've finished drooling, I'm like, I'm never going to write anything that intelligent. It's just so good! It's so innovative, and every episode they manage to make different. Yes, that's that's the that's what really impresses me about Inside Number Nine. Every episode has it still has it, it's still set inside Number Nine, the 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 room, the house, the apartment. But it's every time you in one episode. Yep, every time is so unique and different, and and that's what I, I love mm-hmm. it. Yes, do seek it out if you haven't already. I I do believe it's on Netflix um, across the pond as well. But if you haven't already watched it, do yourself a favour. It does get a lot of comparisons to Black Mirror, but it is quite different. Mm. And Black Mirror, of course, is also fantastic, mm-hmm. but I dare say a little bit more hit and miss compared to Inside yeah, Number Nine. Agreed. I don't know if you, if you... Are you all caught up on Black Mirror, Dave? Uh, I haven't watched Bandersnatch, no. Okay, well, that's fine. But I recently rewatched uh, the episode Hang the DJ of Black Mirror, and Black Mirror is so oppressively bleak, mm. and I can handle that. You know, <laughs> a, friend, a friend of mine really loves this kind of genre, but she says I can't watch it because it's just it's too depressing. So I sometimes make her watch them when I'm there for emotional support. But <laughs> the episode Hang the DJ is just, it's so, it's the, it's essentially it's the Tinder episode, and it's just so beautiful, and it reduces me to tears by the end of it. And mm. uh, it's much like uh, San Junipero as well. That's just another mm. amazing yes. episode. Yes. yes. But anyway, so um, you were saying uh, it's you were you were in your living room and waving at all the people stopping and yes. and looking in and uh, yes, that that can be quite well. That must have been quite. It's quite strange. It, it's the equivalent of walking into a, a Wild West saloon and everyone turning and staring at you. Yeah, that's uh, which we do. We recreate that in the story, don't we? Which we recreate. Yes, I have. I, I yes. think I've mentioned it before, but I have this bag of tropes. I'm not afraid to uh, delve into. It's just next to the bag of cliches. <laughs> I would like to think I've never picked up the wrong bag. But... <laughs> don't worry. I'd let you know if you did. Thank you. Yeah, it, it is very much like that, and. There is, uh, there is, the house is a real house. The huge house that was unusually cheap, because as I was moving in, it was not that outside the budget at the time. And it was like, ooh, how was that house so cheap? Mm. And there is a little uh, symbol on the side of the house I've noticed when I've walked past it. Mm. And I believe it's actually the symbol of a, it's an old vicarage, this house, actually, the one, the real mm. one. And I, I believe it's, the, it's like a little red cross of the vicarage. And I'm not too sure, being an atheist. Mm. 
and uh, so yeah. <laughs> there we are. But it is uh, it's a it's a fun story, and I didn't realize until I was editing David's recordings, but I didn't realize it's even more personal than that because the two characters seem to very much have my voice. Jonathan, our protagonist, he does not. I haven't been very imaginative. He seems to speak like me. He's <laughs> self-deprecating. He's a little bit too anxious. There, there are some differences. Um, I don't wear tight jeans. <laughs> um, nobody wants that. <laughs> and then our other character, he he's almost like a very confident version of myself, which is why, David, he had to die. Mm, yeah, I can see that now, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so in, in the script, obviously, it calls for Northeast accents, and, uh, and because Mark wasn't particularly wanting to join in with the fun of, uh, of, of recording, he left them all to me. And unfortunately, I, as has been shown, my accent bag isn't as big as your cliche bag, Mark. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I I thought I I don't think I could do a northeast ac- northeast accent uh, with any sense of um, confidence. So I I did bring it down to Yorkshire a little bit more. It's really funny because at one point David would say, "Could you record these lines for me and send them to me?" And then I tried to record them, but then I go through life thinking. So in the northeast, people often ask me where I'm from. Uh, I don't seem my accent doesn't seem to fit in. And so I've spent a lot of my life thinking, oh, I must sound rather posh. And, <laughs> you know, uh, my little, uh, when I like re- edit these conversations and I hear myself next to David and David's like, yes, and the story is rather <laughs> subtle uh, and, and, it's, and it's wonderful. And then I'm like, and then I hear myself going, why, I David, it's proper scary, like. <laughs> That's what I hear. <laughs> I, I love it. I, <laughs> that is not to say. I love that. I love the, the that there's anything wrong with the Geordie accent. It's just I obviously um, it can be a very friendly and warm accent, but um, at the same time, I just didn't think I sounded northern, and then I heard myself, and I was like, "Oh my god, you are so northern!" Oh, that's brilliant. You make me sound like a, a Guardian wine taster. Uh, <laughs> But to be but, fair, David, I don't know about you, but I read The Guardian. and <laughs> Well, yes. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> you do like wine. I, I, I do. Uh, especially when, when you've got the, the particularly subtle ones. Yes. This Merlot. Yes. Oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was... I, I, I will say, though, David, these discussions have brought me out of my shell. I would like to think, I mean, what, we're on episode, what, six now? And they've become a little less, a little less awkward, a little bit more... Uh, comfortable. So I'm thinking if there's a season two, David, I might provide some minor characters. It'll Hooray! definitely be cheaper if I provide some. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> then if we, well, not that I'm paying David. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but rather than like hiring more voice actors, it'll just be, there'll be a story set in London. Of like, dear God, there's a monster coming out of Big Ben. And there'll be just be a guy in the background going, there is like, <laughs> oh, don't mind me. I'm on my holidays to London. Yeah. I'm going to stop doing that voice. I'm so sorry, Newcastle. I'm so sorry. Well, I, I've had to say sorry to so many different accents so far in this season. <laughs> so don't worry about it. And and it'll be uh, it'll be European accents. Yes, will it next week. It will. Uh, we've gone for a, um, a story that is set in a very particular country, but 
um, in the direction for David. I just said vaguely Eastern European. <laughs> and, Apologies and no. in advance. <laughs> well, actually, I was just looking at our uh, um, analytics before we came on, and we seem to have reached Sweden. So, oh, wow. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So yes. our majority of listeners are American, then British, then Canadian, then Swedish, and then Australian. Oh. Australia? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they do speak English. Uh, or should I say, Struth, Sheila? Oh. And we've just lost the entirety of the Australian audience. <laughs> there, <laughs> there goes our continent. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> nice while it lasted. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, but of course, one other thing to say about, uh, about you providing voices is that it would still be two men on the podcast. And... Mm. We, you, you had a relationship between two men in that, in that story. No, I, I didn't read that subtext, David. I think you, I think your liberal you? agenda. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the rainbow steamroller of doom. I uh, love that. Is the, that a thing, or have you just made that up? Uh, it's a, it's a. I'm sure there was a. Ah. Oh. I think it was a, an, an, either an American politician or a British one that was that was saying that the the gay agenda is like a, a steamroller of something. But I just I just added some more rainbows. But yeah, I mean, I think it is. We do need to touch on the representation. We are, but two white men. We are professing we are. to be liberal, and it's a bit of a sausage party. Um, of course, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think it's just because I the- would have it no other way. <laughs> I think that's just the <laughs> the limitations of the budget of a first season. Um, I really mm-hmm. do want to have more female, not just voices in terms of acting, but I want to have more female voices in story. It just so mm. happens that the ghost story genre normally features male protagonists. but And then normally if, if there's women in ghost stories, they tend to be holding a candelabra going through a gothic mansion. But isn't that simply because a lot of the ghost stories that we have come from the Victorian era? Yes. When it was all very much women know your place and be subservient to men. Yes. And that is the that is what has filtered through. And we need, yes, we absolutely need more representation all across the board mm-hmm. so that it's not the straight white male um, ghost story where the man comes in and swoops in at the end and saves the day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think sometimes, although many Victorian characters profess to be straight, or it's assumed, there's often mm. subtext. Uh, my mm. favourite novel, I, we, we recommend a lot of uh, TV shows and films on this podcast, but I am very much a bookworm, and my favourite novel is, is, of, is The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde, which was mm. dripping... And I used the and I deliberately used the word dripping. Dripping was so much <laughs> homosexual subtext that it got the poor chap arrested. No, it mm. didn't. I beg your pardon. It was used against him in his trial uh, for buggery right. mm. and promoting the homosexual agenda. Have you read it, David? I have not. Yeah. No, I, I am not a bookworm. As as uh, I, I'm sure that I'm going to enrage more listeners by saying, yes, I don't like Star Wars. Yes, I've not seen The Muppets Christmas Carol. But yes, I don't read for pleasure uh, because that was sort of beaten out of me as a child. So whilst I can read and I do read audiobooks for a living, mm. uh, which is one of those strange twists of fate, uh, I, I 
I, if you ask me if I've read a book, the answer is probably going hmm. to be no. Okay, well, that's fine. And I won't shame because it comes, it takes all sorts. And I don't even read as much as I would like. <laughs> you know, things like Netflix are just too much of a, of a good temptation. But the, the picture of Dorian Gray is, it's just, it's beautiful. The, the language is so gorgeous without becoming purple prose. And a lot of Oscar Wilde's quotes that are attributed to him are not actually direct quotes of things that he said at a cocktail party. They're actually quotes from the book that people think uh-huh. he, he said, but he obviously got to, to write it. There's a character in the book called Lord Henry, who is like this hedonist, and he leads Dorian da- down this path. He's essentially just Oscar Wilde himself. Get it? There's actually, um, I believe Russell Tovey has recorded a version of an Audible, David. So if you are an okay. audiobook junkie, I would definitely recommend it. It's just such a, it's got supernatural elements. It's quite... It's got that great subtext. It's just beautifully written, and it's so witty. So if anyone hasn't read it or mm. isn't familiar with it, I would most wholeheartedly endorse it. Mm. And it's nice that, that Russell Tovey is doing it as a gay yeah, actor. Yeah, I, I can't help but think that's, that's deliberate. Yeah, I mean, it's like when you get Kenneth Branagh to do Shakespeare. His sexuality is Shakespearean. It... Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's either Russell Tovey or John Barrowman, and I don't know which one I'd rather read. Dorian Gray. <laughs> yes, 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 I would agree. Yep. But I suppose it's with with representation and with diversity, uh, it, it is always... Uh, we've got past, thankfully, as a society, uh, a time of blackface and people blacking up to, to play roles. Um, we... We're still not quite past being able to have gay people play gay parts. Well, um, it, it would be nice. I will say, I actually just finished watching You on Netflix, which is a series about a stalker. And it's not normally something that mm-hmm. I would watch, actually, but um, it was an easy watch. And I think all working quite hard on the podcast, I, I liked something quite easy to watch just before bed. And there was this one character who I realized just at the very end was actually, and I had to look her up to double-check this, she's actually a trans woman, but she is playing Mm. a cis woman in the show. Oh, wow. Yeah, or at least... No, she must be cis, because it's never addressed. I mean, and she becomes an important character as the show goes on. And I thought, oh, isn't that... That's really good. That's like... And I I tweeted it, and I was like, more of this, please, because that's that's fantastic. Mm. But yes, I think it's um, Rupert Everett who says that if he hadn't have come out, he would have got just as much work with Colin Firth. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to think of gay actors who play straight roles, and oddly enough, I can only think of Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. I don't watch How I Met Your Mother, but I understand he plays like a bit of a chauvinistic, you know, misogynistic character. Mm, I, I, I don't know watch it either, but but yes, I think... Yeah, I think and right. in Gone Girl, he plays an ex-girlfriend, an ex-boyfriend, sorry, of, of Rosamund Pike, and, and of course, I've mentioned it before, but he plays Count Olaf in A Series of Unfortunate Events, who... Mm-hmm. Um, well, yep. he has a few ex-girlfriends and then he has a girlfriend, but I'm pretty sure he plays it gay because there's a few moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. John Barrowman, to go back to here, I mean, I, I love Torchwood. It's, yes. <laughs> you know, the first two seasons were a bit buffy. You know, but um, Just a bit, yes. Jack, of course, was, well, they call him... Om- Wasn't he omnisexual? Say, you know, there was more than two genders and more than one species even so anything <laughs> yes. that moves i would just like it he would introduce himself yes. and david Tennant would go stop it <laughs> yes 
<laughs> yeah, but we... Um, yes. It's hmm. funny, because I was telling David about this story, and even, I mean, and I'm bisexual, and I was writing this story originally to submit somewhere else, and Jonathan's character was a woman. I was telling David about the story, and he said, why don't we have it for Shadows at the Door? And I said, yeah, but I can't afford to hire a voice actor. And he said, well, why can't it be two men? I was like, you know what? That's Why didn't I think of that? And sometimes... Mm. Maybe it comes to being bisexual, or maybe it's just society, but sometimes there is that heteronormative approach to things, and it's mm-hmm. very good yep. to... It's like, I, I really love this channel, and it's, it's very much split in the middle, Feminist Frequency, and they get criticized for hating on computer games and such, and they say, we, we actually love computer games, but we think it's important to be critical of the media that you love. Mm. And that's what I think we should all do as well. And even in this example, where I consider myself, for lack of a better word, very woke, very liberal, I, you know, I'm a feminist, I, I very much do my best to, to fight the good fight. And then even in that instance, David had to make the suggestion that we made them two, you know, two uh, gay characters. Um, now, and, and this is the, the pretentious right of it, David, but I didn't want, <laughs> I didn't want it to be a big deal that they were gay. I wanted it to be like, very much how Russell T. Davis handled Doctor Who. He would pepper LGBT characters in, and it would always just be, oh, well, my, mm. my husband at home, and, and it would never be a big deal that someone mm. was gay. No one would react to it. And I wanted it... I didn't even want these characters to mention that they were gay. I just wanted the performance to be so good that we couldn't help but read, and it was, <laughs> read the tension. But, <laughs> but this is the pretentious writer bit. I actually found one of the characters... I wrote... Like, well, this character almost said it himself. Like, I was... Because he was confident, he owned it, and he just said, oh, well, now there are two homosexuals around here kind of thing. And mm, mm-hmm. very hard to avoid the phrase gay in the village when you're writing a story. Yes. <laughs> oh, horrible, horrible line but, um, from the show. <laughs> but yeah, and, that, and that's it. I thought, well, you know what? This, this character owns it. So, and it allowed me, mm. and, and, you know, and I am a horror writer, but I am I'm a hell of a romantic as well, and... You know, when Jonathan says the line, you know, when I think about life, I think about love because the two are mixed. That's very much how I feel. And it just it was really nice to to get that soppy emotional side out of me, which previously I've only ever done when I've written for The Lift, which is Daniel Foytek's podcast. And the mm. medium of those stories has allowed me to be a bit spooky and a bit romantic at the same time. So uh, and, and David, mm. of course, features on The Lift. So if you if this kind of thing appeals to you, we would definitely suggest that you listen to The Lift. Absolutely. And, and yes, representation is, is very important. When I was growing up um, in the 90s, there was, there was virtually no representation of um, the LGBT community. You probably had queer as fuck, and that all, was it, really right? Un- that was it, yeah. And even then I wasn't allowed to watch that. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, and now the, the the podcasts, the TV programs, and uh, you you mentioned the trans actor earlier. I loved Sense Eight for its representation of the entire spectrum. And there you have a trans woman, yes, playing a trans woman, but you you see her as the actors, her um, her fight to be represented in her own family. I, I suppose played out with the family of the character as well, uh, and there's there's the the gay film star um, 
who goes home to his his boyfriend but has to keep it quiet because he's in the the macho Mexican film industry. And and yeah, I love Sense8 for that. It's it's a brilliant show and very much for the hopeless romantics mm. as well. You know, uh, David, since we recorded our conversation for The Devil and Tom Walker, I actually I looked for the the Dudley Moore version of Bedazzled and I couldn't find it. I haven't oh, yes. found it. But I did mm. watch the Brendan Fraser Elizabeth Hurley one. Oh dear. <laughs> and first of all, my God, it's trash. Um, <laughs> yes. But I'm going to very quickly get to my point. So the whole point is he gets seven wishes from the devil. He makes the wish and I'll say, oh, I want to be rich and famous. And then she goes, right, you're a Colombian drug lord. And then it doesn't work out well. So he makes mm. a new wish. Now, the big plot hole was just ask for the same wish, but then wish to have no plot holes, like not plot holes, uh, no catches to it. So he kind of gets mm, a bit wise mm. and eventually he goes, right, I want to be intelligent. I want to be an author. I want to be successful. I want a huge penis because in a previous incarnation, the thing wrong with him is that he has a small penis. Um, mm. And he thinks he's <laughs> caught out the, the devil. And the, the scenario he's given, he's a successful writer. He keeps adjusting his trousers because his penis is that big. It's, this is really 90s, mind. And he's rich. Mm. He's intelligent. <laughs> he's famous. You know, the woman that he wants wants him. He takes her home to have to have sex with her. And there's a man in the bed because whoops, he's gay. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're laughing because I just I wasn't. I was like, well, what's wrong with that? And then mm. he's like, oh my god, Satan! Mm. I can't be gay. And ew. Mm. And I was like, oh for fuck's yep. sake, just be gay or at least because yep. then he wishes for a new wish. And then I, I took my TV <sighs> with both hands and I shook it and went, just ask for the same thing and wish to be straight, you dickhead. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, just, I just I had to mention that because I... <laughs> yeah, he, he should have wished to be bisexual and then he could have had the but best no, of both worlds. But that would have been gross, so... Uh, yeah. yeah. But that was, that was what... That was the 90s. And, and growing up in that was... Well, it certainly wasn't easy at mm. all really and as i say nowadays the you've got a lot more representation for the lgbt community well, one thing i do want to address with lgbt uh, characters is that sometimes there is quite justly an observation made that sometimes a gay character will be introduced only then to be killed and the i believe mm. one of the most well-known examples of this, of this was tara in buffy the vampire slayer when Willow mm. realized she was gay. She fell in love with Tara, and then Tara was killed. Um, it's a bit like this. I, I believe the phenomenon in comics is is um, girlfriend in the fridge, where I believe yeah, that's, that's it. the one. Thank you. Yeah. Where um, yeah, or girlfriend in the freezer. I think it was Green Lantern. He had got yeah. married, and then his or he was going to get married or something, and and his girlfriend was found dead in, in the freezer. And that was he used to criticize how women are treated. And then it people do the New Year's Day episode of Doctor Who that I very much enjoyed but unfortunately I, I see a lot of negativity with Doctor Who particularly on Facebook but the one mm. criticism is that there was very briefly a gay character introduced and then he was immediately killed and people mm. saw I just thought well that character was going to die and he just happened to make a joke that happened to be about him being gay and yes. I can't help but be aware that I've written a story in which you know there is a, a gay well we will not I'll not call them a couple because there was just some tension and it was one night but um <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But um, <laughs> uh, counting chickens, as, as one of them says, uh, but and he's killed. But in, that story was written that someone was going to die, and initially it was going to be a straight relationship, and it was only through the um, as we've discussed the suggestion that they became gay. So I didn't 
introduce a gay person to then kill them. But I can mm. definitely see mm. how someone could make that observation. And it's a fair point, but that is my preemptive reply. I, I, in in defense of that, though, or in, in, in your defense as well, uh, a lot of the time you will get the girlfriend in the freezer to essentially be a catalyst for a character's mm. development. Uh, it's a quick and easy way. Let's just kill off the fiance, kill off the girlfriend, and that gives the the protagonist so much more um, anger and determination to sort out whoever did it. And and it's basically using women as disposable plot devices. Mm-hmm. And uh, that I mean, I remember the, there was another episode of Doctor Who where there literally was a girlfriend in the freezer, and she was thawed out every Christmas for a day and then put back in. Uh, that was the one with Michael Gamble. The Christmas Carol episode. Uh, the Christmas which Carol. We've briefly discussed before. Yeah. Yes, we have. Yes, <laughs> but um, yeah, I. In in defense of your your writing in this particular episode, it's not that the character then went on to try and do anything more. It was it, it was the climax of the mm-hmm. story, uh, and it wasn't as if you were using the death as disposable fuel. And I should point out that when I was originally writing it, and it was a straight couple, it was actually the man who died. Uh, you're just a man-hater then, are you? I'm not a man-hater, but I did read Robert Webb's How Not To Be A Boy mm. um, recently, which I picked up. I thought, oh, I like Mitchell and Webb. I will read Robert Webb's autobiography. And it is a very beautiful and moving memoir of what it was like to not fit in with other boys. And it's not just, oh, he didn't like to play football, you know, oh, we like to dance, um, oh, he's bisexual. It was just that he just didn't really... At first he felt bad that he wasn't masculine, but then he's eventually come to terms with it, but then really embraces, like, rejecting masculinity. And that, I actually had the pleasure of meeting him at a, at a signing not so long ago, and I, and I really had to thank him for writing it, because I have never related to a book like that before. It was, it's, it's just, mm. I would really suggest that everyone reads it. It's, it's very, even if you don't like Mitchell and, and, and <laughs> Webb or Peep Show, it's just a very good book to read. And, and it's a conversation about masculinity and, and how it can affect us all. Hmm. Another, wow, two book recommendations and one podcast. I dare say we deserve to be in the literature category on Apple podcasts. <laughs> now. <laughs> I think that's probably a very good place to, Wrap up our little book club. Yes, if you are on iTunes or indeed uh, on the podcast app of your choice, please do leave us a review. We we do love to read them. It's great when Mark sends them through and I can actually see them, especially if they're on Facebook, because I'm not on Facebook. Um, you can... David, the praise has been so overwhelming on Facebook that I have not sent you them all because there's just people are just being so goddamn nice. So I can't send you them all. <laughs> but yeah, please do leave us uh, reviews. Five stars are always welcome. Thank you very much. And it will it will galvanize us into getting ready for a second season because we're at that stage in the season now where we can start we can start thinking about number two. Says the man who says the man who doesn't edit it. I I just do the voices, you know, and even then, not tremendously well. Uh. I do think while we're quickly reflecting, though, it is lovely to see that 
people are enjoying the original stories, but people are also enjoying the classics. We've had, in particular, mm. The Signalman. There have been people who have said, I had not heard that story before, and that's brilliant, which is why I'm very excited to present an M.R. James story next week. Mm, yes, yes, indeed, which is the, ah, uh, ah, uh, you, yes. Just the singing, the singing, ah. <laughs> um but do do please get in touch with us uh via facebook um or well that's that's if you want to get in touch with mark uh we're both (laughs) we're both on twitter um so do send them send us a message and uh interact with us tell us what you like what you don't like uh and yeah have some fun great thank you guys we will see you next week we will indeed have a good week You've been listening to a Shadows at the Door production. Story by Mark Nixon. Performances by David Alt. Music by Nico Vertezi. Editing by Mark Nixon. Copyright held by Shadows at the Door Publishing. If you enjoyed this production, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you very soon. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.